Welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Uh, it's Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Show, and I'm happy to bring it to you. My name is Paul Bruno, coming to you from Southern Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. And my co-host is AJ Scholes, ensconced in a hockey-mad area in, U- in the USA, specifically in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. AJ, there's a couple of bits of news that are a little bit off the beaten track. We were wondering maybe who might get the Axe, the first coach to be fired this season. And I wonder if you had Jay Woodcroft of the Edmonton Oilers on your bingo card. I sure didn't. No, not as the, not as the first firing. I mean, you have to imagine that that job's always, you know, tenuous at best um, when you have those stars and things aren't going well. Uh, you know, they've talked about, uh, what is it? Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins been there for something like, 11, 12 years, and he's had 10 different coaches already. So there's not a lot of stability in that job to begin with. But, yeah, would have expected uh, or would not have expected them to be the first ones uh, to to go to the pink slip there. I don't know about you, Paul. I think the wrong guy got fired. Um, I think you have to blame more of this on Ken Holland and the team that's on the ice uh, than Jay Woodcroft. You have to wonder if they just don't want to pay Holland like a buyout situation i'm pretty sure he's in the last year of his contracts or are they just gonna like lame duck him for the rest of the year and kind of work around him and just at the end of the year they'll just let that contract expire you know what uh you make a lot of great points the the roster construction is something that you can criticize in edmonton but you got to pay the big boys and they had how many times did they win the draft lottery so you know they had a chance to pick top players and they got them right a lot of the times you got Nugent Hopkins, like you mentioned, you got Dreisaitl, you got McDavid. Keeping those three in the fold is going to cost you money, and some positions are going to be sacrificed. But it bothers me that we see goaltending being sacrificed there, and to a certain extent in a number of other cities where the te- teams that expect to be top contenders maybe don't spend as much as they should in the nets. And that's something that, that some uh, people have been talking about locally here in Toronto too. So uh i'm familiar with the topic and and it's got some justification to it but how do you go from one year where you're in the in the hunt in the final four of the nhl and then the next season you start out uh, at the bottom of the standings i mean it was a quick quick uh, pull of the trigger when you considered only 15 14 15 games in and they make that, that call and they make it after a game where it looked like the oilers were turning things around anyway i mean certainly the decision was made after the loss against San Jose because you're not supposed to lose against that team. They're dreadful. <laughs> but uh, that certainly was when the decision was made, despite the fact that they went into Seattle and won a game there after the after the, that debacle. So too bad for Jay Woodcroft, but I wonder what's going to happen next. I mean, are they going to bring in more of McDavid's uh, relatives to, to the front office? It seems like they're stocking it with people that coached him somewhere along the lane or the way or were his agent somewhere along the line. He's two years away from free agency, and they're deathly afraid of losing this guy. I think that's the bottom line here, AJ. So uh, they're making it a, a tougher decision for him, but I know he wants to win, and and uh, he wants to win now. So there's a lot of pressure in Edmonton, and uh, doesn't matter who's coaching. The players have to play, and not enough of them are right now. That's a fact. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about with you, AJ, is the NHL is going over to Sweden. Four teams are going over, the Leafs, the Senators, Minnesota and Detroit are going over to play a couple of games this week. And uh, there's a large gap in the schedule before they get started. I mean, the teams made the trip yesterday and uh, Ottawa doesn't play until Thursday. The Leafs don't play until Friday and uh, it'll play out over the next 10 days. And then they got a gap before they play again in the NHL. So those four teams are going to have a very light schedule playing wise, but the travel and the experience to Sweden, I think they got to look at it and say, make the most of it. This is a wonderful opportunity for those players and the teams uh, that are getting to go. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, AJ, but uh, it really differs from the, NL, the rigors of the NHL's regular routine. And I wonder what is going to be the outcome for these teams when they come back. There's going to be an adjustment period. Uh, is it all worthwhile? Uh, all these things are thoughts that are swirl- swirling in my head. I wonder what you think about all of that. Well, I think the the thing they've done this time is really make it worthwhile, in my opinion. You're sending four teams, so you have four different games over four days. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense to have, you know, the the Red Wings and the Senators play, the Leafs and the the Wings play, 
We've seen the wild play, wild incentive. Like the combinations, um, I think is a is a good idea. I think it's the way to capitalize on it. Um, you obviously have to build in the the time off to account for, you know, these long flights. Um, I, I think the bigger question for me is not how these teams are going to react in the immediate, you know, week or two after they get back. It's going to be later in the season when the schedule condenses up a little bit for these four teams to account for the fact that they had this this extra time off. So um, I don't know that we'll know the full impact really ever. I mean, obviously, if any one of them comes back and just is terrible for the first three games or something, we'll know. Um, but I, I think it's more of a, a long-term impact that they'll have to manage and, and consider. Well, AJ, we've been talking about the early returns in three of the four divisions uh to date and today we want to talk about the final one that we haven't addressed yet and that's the central division and for the most part i don't uh, the, unlike the other three divisions there really haven't been too many surprises for my money uh, when i look around uh, this division but i'll give you the first chance to uh, give your summary of what you've seen in the central division top to bottom to date this season yeah i mean i think what's most uh most intriguing here is, you know, the I would say the Wild are probably further down than we both uh, both had them, uh, you know, looking at, at where they are. Uh, I think you were maybe a little less gung-ho about the Wild than I was, but uh, uh, I think they're further down. But for the most part, you're right. We said Dallas, Colorado kind of going to be the top here. Um, I think Winnipeg's maybe performing a little bit better. They had a tough start to the year. Um St. Louis and Arizona, probably a little bit better than we thought. But again, for the most part, we kind of went into this and said, yeah, Dallas and Colorado are like the two locks here. And, and that's how it's looked to start the start the season. Yeah, I would say uh, Dallas is who we thought they were uh, a contender for the top of the division. They've got depth at each each uh, level in uh, terms of forward defense and goaltending in Colorado. Certainly, they're still missing their captain from the lineup. and He's going to miss most of the season. Uh, but uh, the goaltending has not been as sharp in, in terms of Georgiev's numbers season to date. So yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a knock on what's happening there uh, at the high altitude. But the rest of the squad is still Stanley Cup worthy. So uh, the top two are really in that discussion. Winnipeg and St. Louis, they look to be the next best in the group. And I wasn't surprised by that. I thought I was expecting a Jordan Bennington rebound. And we've seen that to a certain extent. And the veterans still have some mileage on them, but uh, they're performing. I look at Braden Shen coming off a pretty nice week and one of the team leaders there offensively, Pavel Buknevich as well, having a nice week. So they're getting good offense. They have experience on the blue line, so still some a team not to sleep on, in my opinion. And Winnipeg, despite a lot of off-season noise about some of the big names uh, possibly wanting out, they re-signed two of them, and uh, the rest of the club has rallied around them. So they're in contention. Arizona, the young guns there have started to take a step, AJ. They've got stability in the nets, and uh, the young, some young guys, Clayton Keller and, uh, and a couple others, are, are really starting to play and uh, ex- assert themselves as bona fide NHLers, bona fide top six players among the forwards. They've got to shore up their defense a little bit, I think, still. And uh, Minnesota and Nashville, for me, there's not enough depth or talent on these two teams to contend them. I, I probably handicapped that well enough. And Chicago's got the Bedard bump going for them. I, I don't think they're going to finish last in this division. We've seen this guy look like the real deal, and, and he could threaten. he's certainly threatening the point of game mark on the season, and we haven't seen that for uh, consistently out of top rookies in the last few years. So he looks like he could fit the moniker of the next one, like people have been uh, touting him, and uh, the highlight reels are full of him so far. So happy to see that, and... Uh, Good for Chicago. It's an important franchise in, in the NHL that they got something to, to celebrate uh, after a dreadful season last year. AJ, as we have done uh, year to date on today's episode, we're going to look at the most productive players in the past week. We're going to also look at the most added players to fantasy rosters and why they were added. We'll, in, uh, we'll try and fill that in. And then we'll look at players that were most dropped from fantasy leagues and touch on the injured lists for the various teams in the NHL and come up with injury news, people coming and going, because there is some good news on the on the injury wires this week. And then we close up with a DFS segment where we'll put together our FanDuel and DFS draft uh, DraftKings lineups 
in DFS play for a busy nine-game slate in the NHL. So without further ado, why don't we take a look at the, this week's hot players, AJ? And as I'll remind our listeners, we go from Monday to Sunday, so we're not including last night's games necessarily in these totals when we when we quote them. So just to be clear on that. So AJ, who caught your eye this week and why? Well, yeah, I mean, you got to start, you know, looking at, at that range. Uh, Sam Reinhart had uh, 10 points in four games this past week, a really strong, uh, strong week by him. Uh, hard to uh, hard to argue about uh, that sort of production. Uh, he's had, in fact, he's got four multi-point games in a row, um, including four against Chicago. And so just a really strong, strong week by, by him. Uh, there's some power play points in there as well. Uh, of course, Dallas, you're going to see most of the Stars players kind of at- atop the list here uh, when you consider, you know, they put eight in on uh, on the Wild on Sunday. They put in five against uh, the Blue Jackets on Thursday. So some big, big uh, point-producing games. You'll see the guys like Wyatt Johnson, Matt Duchesne at the top of this list as well. So um, a really strong week uh, by a handful of those guys uh, over in Dallas. Uh, I'll just, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that to start, Paul, and, and let you uh, grab some guys as well. Yeah, I tried to stay away from players who are highly owned when I compiled these lists, AJ. And and for our listeners' sake, I think there's some value in trying to see if they can get more out of these guys that, than some of the players on their rosters. You look at a guy like a Matt Duchesne, he's got some value as a two-position guy, and that's critical in, in fantasy leagues when you want that flexibility on your roster. He and Braden Shen are near the top of this list coming off six points and five point weeks respectively and uh, their ownership is less than 50 percent so that's why i wanted to draw their attention to our listeners and players like that alexi lafreniere is another guy that makes the list in my opinion three goals three assists one of his best weeks as a pro in the nhl people are waiting for this former number one draft pick overall to light the lamp consistently and look like an nhl player he's doing better now than he ever has still only owned in 30 in uh, 32% of the leagues that, that are out there. So there's three really good high-end players that are experienced NHLers. In terms of a rookie, Leo Carlson making a big slash in Anaheim and, and one of those young guns that is helping that club turn the corner. And he had three goals and one helper last week. Then you look at the Boston situation, that just keep chugging along. And I'll remind our listeners that Charlie Coyle was a third or fourth line center for much of the season last year, mostly third line. And he's getting first top six minutes this year. And the numbers are really good, despite the fact he's only owned in 18% of the leagues. That uh, He has got three goals and one assist last week to boost his totals. I mentioned Buknevich coming off a hat-trick. He's got five points in his last four games. And Callie Yarncroft finding his way in Toronto as a top six contributor. And uh, now relegated to third line duty. Another one of those guys with a center winger uh, value and uh, coming off a three-goal, one-assist week. So despite the fact he's playing third-line minutes, it's a pretty good third line in Toronto. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll also mention another Canadian team here, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Kyle Connor just been on a, a bit of a tear for them. And, and really, his numbers all season long weren't terrible, but uh, just looking at his last five games, four multi-point games over that stretch, had a hat trick against Nashville. Uh, shot totals are really high, 25 shots over five games. So that's, you know, even if he weren't, you know, even if he picks up an assist, if those shot totals are that high, um, that's a, a really nice boost there. And then I'll also mention, you know, we have to talk about, you know, guys on teams that maybe aren't doing quite as well. Um, there's still some value p- to be had there. Philip Forsberg had four goals uh, last week, a really good uh, week by him. And again, you know, there's there's moments to use certain guys, maybe targeting matchups. Uh, if you used him last week, you, you know, looking last four games, they played against Edmonton. He had three points in that one. Um, Winnipeg has, as I said, they've had a few ups and downs. He had two goals against Winnipeg, played Arizona most recently uh, on Saturday, three points in, in that one as well. So there's guys on Nashville. It's not a team to, to completely write off. There's, uh, you know, times and matchups to use them and and some of those guys there so 
of course, you know, I say that and it doesn't always work out. You probably would have wanted to use Philip Forsberg when they played San Jose back in like mid-October. No points in that one. So uh, it's not a hard and fast rule, but obviously uh, try and pick your spots there. AJ, what about on the blue line? I'm going to lead us off with, again, a look at some players who aren't wholly owned uh, and uh, yet they are performing. Oliver ekman Larson certainly has taken advantage of the fact that Florida's down two of their top four defensemen, and he's filled in very admirably. He's owned in 39% of his leagues, playing 22 minutes a game. Last week, another good offensive foray for him, two goals and three helpers, along with 10 block shots. He's not known for, for the play in the defensive end, but that's a very nice add-on to give him a total of 43.4 fantasy points on the week to lead all blue liners that are not really among the top owned players at that position. Caden Gooley is a guy in Montreal who's made a bit of a big splash in the early going this season, owned in 30, uh, 13% of his leagues despite playing over 20 minutes a game and a highly touted defensive defenseman prospect. He got a goal and two helpers and he's doing it at both ends of the ice, four hits and 10 block shots as well for him. Then Jonas Brodeen uh, on Minnesota. This is one of those defenseman factory clubs. They just keep turning out value. And Brodeen's been a, a good player for them for a couple of years, a few years now, playing upwards of 23 minutes a game and piling up the stats in terms of shots on goal and hit and block shots as well. Uh, he got only one assist last week, but you can see that he has value when you consider leagues that are including the shots on goal and blocked and hits category. Alec Martinez, ditto for him. Uh, he... He uh, compiled two goals last week for LA uh, Vegas, rather, and he's playing upwards of 20, almost 21 minutes a game and filling the stat sheet the same way Brodeen is. Matthias Ekholm has been a little bit maligned in Edmonton, so it might be a good opportunity to buy low on him if they expect a turnaround for this club. He's going to have to be central to that from the blue line. He's a guy that can score, but he also fills in the stat sheet with the hits and block shots as well as shots on goal as well. So that's a few names to consider from my perspective, AJ. Who were the others that what married discussion from your position? Yeah, you know, you look at the top uh, producers for defensemen this last week, it's names you're going to recognize, right? It's it's Quinn Hughes with seven, Victor Hedman, six, Kale McCarr, five, Miro Heiskanen, five. But one name that maybe uh, you wouldn't expect there is Eric Goodbranson for the Blue Jackets, five helpers this last week. Now, the the one cautionary thing I will mention Yes, it seems like his offensive game is, is suddenly rolling. Uh, he's got points in, in four of his last six contests, but the shot totals are pretty much non-existent. Five shots over that stretch. Before this little boost, uh, you know, nine games without a point to open the season. Again, the shots, just 10 over that stretch. So while he is finding a way to get assists right now, um, I, I would put him as a, as a cautionary tale. Don't jump on it. Um, you know, maybe if you need blocks, um, you could think about it, but there's no power play ice time coming there. Uh, and it's it's a trend that I'm sure will will tail off here at some point. Um, we just don't know when. You know, he's never really he's never reached the 20 point mark in his career. In fact, his last two seasons have been career high, you know, campaigns. So I'm not expecting offense to really be a key part of his game moving forward. So just be be aware when you see these big numbers and you see a guy that's available in your league and you're like, Oh, this last week he had five assists. Well, it's, it's probably the exception rather than the rule here. AJ, I'm finished up with a couple more mentions. Rasmus Sandin in Washington. This the caps are not going to be a playoff team this year, but this is a guy who's going to get a lot of chances, offensive zone starts. And yet he, he also was improving in the defensive side of his game. And that was a knock on him in Toronto. He got in the way of 11 shots blocking them last week. He added two assists, and behind John Carlson, he might be the next best bet in terms of offensive chops from the Washington back end. Then I'll look at a couple of veterans in uh, interesting situations. Damon Severson in Columbus, another guy that's going to get a bump in ice time. He's averaging over 23 minutes a game. That's a career high, and he, he too is more known for offense than defense, but he blocked 14 shots last week, so a fine total there to add to, to his offensive uh, abilities, and one final name, Matt Roy in L.A. L.A. for me has been one of the most surprising teams so far this year, uh, predicated on the fact that they can roll three solid lines with three solid centers running them. Uh, but he's a guy that's filling in admirably on the blue line and uh, supporting a guy like a Drew Doughty here. And uh, he, too, has hits and block shots in his arsenal, as well as being able to produce 
points. So players to watch from different situations on the defense there worth worth considering if you need an upgrade. In terms of net mining, AJ, we look at the top, all the top goalies that are going right now. And why don't you lead us into discussion of what happened in that position in the past week? Well, Tristan Jari figured out his game, uh, had the second most uh, fantasy points uh, this last week, just played two games, did have a, an injury in there. And one of those games was a little shortened, but got wins in both and didn't allow a goal. Uh, so currently on uh, technically, I guess, a two-game uh, shutout streak right now. Uh, didn't officially get the shutout for one of those games uh, because he didn't play the whole thing. Um, but 55 saves without giving one up. So some good performances by him. One name we wouldn't expect necessarily to be atop this list uh, would be Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh any, you know, any mention of a San Jose Shark netminder, I don't think we were going to think that would be a positive mention, but uh, a, a solid week for him. Two wins, one loss, uh, really on the back of two strong performances. Uh, he did face a lot of shots against Anaheim over the weekend, but he did give up four goals on, on uh, you know, on 44 shots, so uh, probably more of what you would expect, but he shut down Philadelphia, shut down Edmonton, got some wins, and that's got him up top here. Sergey Bobrovsky, four wins this past week, a really strong uh, week by him. The concern there, the save percentage, a little low for some guy who, for somebody who came out with four wins, 0.888 on that one, 3.01 was the goals against average. Um, so the numbers. A little bit misleading there. If you're just looking at the wins for Bobrovsky, uh, he has actually won five in a row and hasn't lost in regulation in his last seven. Um, so, you know, you kind of got to take the good with the bad. The The shutouts aren't necessarily there. Um, you know, you look, gave up four to Columbus, three to Washington, two to Carolina, three to Chicago, um, but was still able to get wins in all of them. So I guess it depends if you're in a points league, how much does a win get you versus how much does a goal against count um, against you? So there's a lot of factors to consider with Bobrovsky right now. AJ, I wanted to ask you about Mackenzie Blackwood because, of course, he's not playing on one of the NHL's top teams, but he's getting a lot of work. And that team uh, is going to win 20 to 25 games minimally. He should receipt for most of those. Is there value in, in keeping him as maybe a third or fourth goalie and in some of the uh, some of the leagues that we were in, um, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I had him. Um, I dropped him um, just because you know some of those. You know, I dropped him on the heels of the 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 back to back hookings that he got. Uh, yeah. You know, when they the team collectively gave up ten goals apiece. Um, I think you know Anaheim hanging four on him with with forty four shots against. Uh, is probably going to be what you're going to see most of the time. Uh, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, six games where he's given up six or more goals or four or more goals rather. Um, so I just don't think it depends on your format. Um, yeah, he'll be in net. He'll face a lot of shots. So that could be helpful. But the goals allowed number is, is a little concerningly high for me. I, I'm in the same camp. I just thought I wondered if I... I had your support or what we were going to butt heads on that one. So I think I had him and I dropped him. So yeah. literally uh, I made this choice recently. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, that's pretty timely, but uh, there's a couple of interesting situations and more depth of the goalie position that I've seen in a few years, certainly when I consider the, who, who are the likes that are available right now. And in Carolina, because of Freddie Anderson's tough situation, Pyotr Kachetkov is a name that I, I'm keeping an eye on, AJ. He's only owned in 32% of leagues out there, but I think he's got a chance to take the reins. He did that for a stretch last season over Antti Ranta, who is not uh, the picture of health most of the time. He, he's de dealt with physical issues in the last couple of years, just like Anderson. So Pyotr Kachetkov is a very intriguing option for me. He appeared in one game got a shutout last week and uh, I think they could give him some run and don't forget this is a team that's supposed to be one of the top clubs in the NHL of course uh, Aiden Hill 90% owned had a great week for Vegas not a surprise but what about a guy right behind him Connor Ingram for Arizona I said 
This is a team that's introducing a number of younger guys, and they're taking that next step. Ingram could be right in right in sync with all those guys up front in front of him. He, he was in two games last week, won them both, and uh, he's only owned in 20% of leagues. I mean, he's got Carol Vamelka sharing the net with him, and Vamelka was heroic for this club last year. And I think he's the real deal in terms of a quality netminder. So it could be a 50-50 situation, but not a bad partnership where Ingram will get a number of game starts on a team that has a higher win probability for sure than San Jose does. And similarly in Montreal, I'm talking about some of the lower echelon clubs, AJ. San Montembeau is a guy that uh, is on the verge of inking a long-term deal with this club. And I think they've made a decision that he's going to be one of the goaltenders of the future there in Montreal. And I would, it wouldn't surprise me if he takes a bit of an edge over Jake Allen in terms of the goaltending situation with the Habs. And he's only owned in 10% of leagues out there. So again, a situation where you're going to get a guy with a lot of goalie starts. And that's uh, what I'm talking about here. And then uh, finally, look at Jonathan Quick step in when uh, Shesterkin has been dealing with a bit of a few bumps and bruises. He receded for two wins. So maybe keep an eye on situations where the injury list is a factor too and consider moving in and out with some players of quality like quick is in a very good situation so some tips on the back end and one final situation to look at uka pekka and for buffalo got two uh, appearances last week while devin levy had only one and that might be a telling situation uh, if you think that Lucan and Mike might overtake Levy, this guy's only owned in 16% of leagues out there on a team that should be a contender for a playoff spot. So some value out there in goalie land on the waiver wire is something that we don't normally see. And I wanted to make sure we highlighted that in this segment. AJ, the most added players in the hockey in the last seven days. Why don't you take us there? Yeah, it starts, you know, with uh, Cam Talbot in LA kind of leads the way there. Um, you know, taking a little, obviously taking more and more of the share. They made, uh, you know, him and Copley, I think there was some suggestion early on in the season that they would split that. We've seen Talbot on this list as those starts continue to roll. He also had a really good prior week, four wins uh, in four games with one goal against. So not surprised to see over a 30-point jump in his numbers as well. Uh, Jaden Schwartz also atop the list, also going up about 30%, went from about a quarter of the, the leagues to a little bit over half. Again, that's on the heels of four goals in his last five games. Um, strong performances by him. And and that's not, you know, that's not a uh, aberration. We've, we've talked about this already. I think this season he's only got five games in which he hasn't recorded a point. Uh, out of out of 16 so he's performing really well on this list um you know maybe uh some surprises you know potentially maybe not anti ranta's numbers jumped about 10 percent uh with freddie anderson uh suffering you know dealing with with blood clots and being out somebody's gonna have to get the start there i'd be a little more cautious on ranta and that's probably why we haven't seen a huge jump here especially after they uh, brought in Yaroslav Halak uh, on basically like a tryout. So Ranta's hold on this net is absolutely tenuous at best. Uh, Gave up four goals in his most recent outing to the Florida Panthers. So, um, you know, one name, look, we said Eric Gustafsson, right? He's a name we mentioned earlier. He sees about a 10% jump. You talked about Caden Gouy in in Montreal, another 10% jump there. So some of the guys that we've obviously talked about are on this list, uh, you know, based on those strong weeks of of play. You know, and Sergei Bobrovsky is only in 65% of leagues, and his situation figures to get better, AJ. He jumped 14% last week, but they're on the verge of getting two of their top defensemen back from long-term injuries. So keep an eye on him if he's available in your leagues. William Carlson with Vegas had one of the bigger jumps too, 19.6% for a guy who's listed as a third-line player here, but he's also first line on the power play. So that's a really good value for him if uh, if he stays in that role and the number, offensive numbers should follow him there with that success. Mentioned Oliver ekman Larson. Could be a cautionary tale because of the return of those two Florida guys. He's one of the guys that was near the top of this list with 19.2% jump last week. But I think his offensive zone starts and uh, top four minutes are about to take a bit of a nosedive. So a bit of a word of caution on a player like that who's at the top of this list this week. 
you mentioned Antti Ranta. The whole goaltending situation is Car in Carolina is worth watching, as we both mentioned with previous comments. Mason McTavish is a guy that I got a lot of time for, AJ, in Anaheim. Yet again, another of the young guns there that's starting to make his, make some big strides. And a guy who is a two-position player as well, his ownership is still at 71%. And I think he's the real deal and going to stay where, where he is in the lineup as a top player on regular shift and power play. So good value there. In the shadows of Quinn Hughes, Philip Pronick has had a very nice year with Vancouver. And his ownership jumped 7%, still not owned in about 24% of leagues, 26% of leagues out there. Cam Fowler is a guy that's owned in 57% of leagues. This guy's the linchpin on, a, on an improving Anaheim power play. And uh, a guy like Alex Iofalo, interesting situation for him in Winnipeg. Uh, he's going to be a top six player there and going to get some time with the big boys. He's only owned in 11% of leagues out there. So I think that's an opportunity waiting to happen if you're uh, looking for depth on the wings. So plenty of opportunity. I think overall, AJ, I got to say, there's more depth uh, and value on waiver wires this year than I've seen in, in many in recent memory. So it really behooves our listeners to to look at RotoWire and what we show in that regard in terms of the depth charts and the opportunities that some of these players are getting. And uh, what you're hearing on our show, obviously, is just underscoring all of that. All that said, it's time to give our supporters a chance to speak their piece in terms of commercials and and advertising for this program. So we'll step aside and take a break. You're listening to Puckcast with Statsman and Age. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back. You're welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. We now turn our attention to injury news and player drops and DFS strategy and our recommendations for your lineups ahead of two days, Tuesday's nine-game slate. Let's start with the injury news of the week, AJ. Uh, Freddie Anderson, of course, you covered with the blood clotting issue. There's no timeline for his return. It's not a grievous situation as it might have been. So he will be back at some point, I'm, I'm assured, but we just haven't got a timeline on it. What about other news on the, on the wires? 
Yeah, so we'll uh, start with Trevor Zegers. Uh, he's missed the last two games for them. He is on IR um, with retroactive. You know, he could return on Wednesday, um, but we haven't gotten a ton of news out of, you know, what's going on there. So no real details there. Arturi Lekkinen was moved to long-term injured reserve. Uh, that's not a huge surprise. He was expected to be out um, for a little bit. Uh, Jas- Jack Roslavic fractured ankle, uh, unfortunately for him. He'll miss four to six weeks and has been uh, placed on injured reserve as well. Andreas Athanasiu, week to week with a lower body injury. Um, so expect him to land on injured reserve soon. Um, some, you know, some maybe sort of good news for the Devils. Um, Jack Hughes could join up with the team when they p- face Pittsburgh on Thursday. He won't play tonight. Uh, Nico Heischer, conversely, won't be on the trip at all. So he's going to miss both of those games. So some good news, bad news there. Um, I'll toss in one more recent one. Frederick Cadreau from Minnesota, placed on long-term injured reserve, um, has been out for a while. Uh, so it's kind of more of a technical move, but, uh, you know, they probably won't have him uh, for the Sweden series. So you're looking at, you know, another week or two until he's ready just with the time off built around that. So um, that's kind of the latest uh, from, from the last day, really. Most of that's happened <laughs> yesterday or, or early today. Paul, anything else that jumped out at you from the last week? Well, the big news that we touched on earlier, Florida is going to get a reinforcement on the back end pretty soon. Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour both out uh, to start the season with shoulder injuries that they were nursing in the offseason. They're both very close to returning. And I think within a week or so, we should see them back in the fold over there. That's huge news for them. Andre Vasilevsky is also on the horizon. He's targeting U.S. Thanksgiving for his return. So that's a couple of weeks, maybe a week and a half away for him, too. We and, call it uh, real Thanksgiving, Paul. Well, <laughs> well, I call it U.S. Thanksgiving. I celebrate it almost as much as you do, my friend, because of my affiliate, uh, affection for the Cowboys, uh, who all, always run things on that day as far as I'm concerned. So I'm happy to, to give a shout-out to U.S. Thanksgiving anytime I can. Yeah, a couple of goalies in Philadelphia are sidelined, and that means Samuel Erickson uh, is in play. But uh, Carter Hart with an illness and Felix Sandstrom with a upper body injury, he's on the IR. These guys have both missed time and uh, will be missing uh, Sandstrom for a while, it looks like. Harder, Carter Hart should be back fairly soon. Touched on Igor Shesterkin, missing four games so far. That's the, his longest absence in he, since he's turned pro, but uh, Quick is holding uh, the fort very well. Also, Hughes, uh, aside from Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer is close to returning. He's going to be a little bit after Hughes, but within two weeks, you should see both of those guys in the fold, and you might want to adjust uh, the sights on uh, their replacements downwards a little bit because they won't get be getting as much ice time. Taylor Hall, uh, lower body injury, still out of the lineup. Day-to-day, though, is the listing right now. Dylan Cousins returned for the Buffalo Sabres to resume playing in a top-six role, a good uh, addition to that club. They need to right the ship there. They were expected to do better than they are, and it hasn't happened yet. Maybe his return will help. Gabe Velarde, another guy in Winnipeg. We touched on uh, a couple of guys there already in the show. He's uh, had a knee injury skating at practice. I figure one more week and he'll resume uh, top six, maybe top nine at the worst position uh, in that lineup. Connor Sheary in Tampa has a shoulder injury. He's on the IR. That's a bit of a blow for him and his maiden voyage with the, the Florida-based club this week, this year. And uh, let's take a look, AJ, at some of the most dropped players apart from the injury lists and situations there. I'll take us to start. Jonas Johansson, his ownership with the news of of uh, Vasilevsky's return in a week or so, he's going to see a tremendous drop in, in his uh, time uh, and usage in leagues around uh, fantasy land. 12.8% the drop this past week. John Klingberg was benched by the Maple Leafs, but then quickly after one game resumed action and uh, the 9.7% drop might turn into a, a gain in the next couple of weeks if he continues to find some traction based on what I thought was a pretty good effort by him the other night. I mentioned Dylan Cousins. He was dropped in 8% of leagues last last week, but uh, his return should turn that figure around. And then finally, uh, Jonathan Huberto, uh, a quandary in Calgary, AJ. This $10 million a year player is really, really struggling, and he has 
holds the belt that nobody wants, and that's the worst contract in the NHL. Ownership down by 7.2% last last week and still owned in 59% of leagues. Uh, those 59%, that number is going to drop some more, I think, before it goes higher. Yeah, similar uh, story for Shane Gosses Bear. We see uh, about a five-point drop. Uh, he was a healthy scratch against Montreal. Uh, no points in his last seven games. Probably why he was a healthy scratch or at least a factor. So I would expect those numbers to continue to dip for him as well. Uh, Devin Taves, another name, a little bit surprised, uh, you know, from a uh, to see him on this list. I'm guessing this is uh, an overcorrection. Started the season uh, four points in his first six games, went five, you know, five games without a point, just one shot on goal. And I think maybe this 5.5% of people might be regretting it a little bit. He's got three assists in the last three games. The shots on goal jump back up to uh, seven over that stretch. So I think if you're one of those people that dropped Evan Taves, uh, maybe a, a bit of an overreaction there. And uh, Michael Bunting's stock is dropping in Carolina. He's do- down to second line minutes now after starting on the first line. The scoring has dried up a little bit, and he's not involved physically as he was with the Maple Leafs is what I'm detecting. We touched on a couple of goalie situations uh, and talked about the handcuffs to these two players. Carl Vemelka in Arizona, his ownership dropped to f- by 5.3% to 97 because of Ingram's resurgence. And then Jake Allen has uh, seen his stock drop by 4.9% uh, because of the news around Montembeau. And it looks like they're about ready to anoint him as their number one goalie. So there's a lot of the news uh, that you need to know in terms of keeping your fantasy team afloat and, and as good as it could be. We hope you take advantage of this on a weekly basis, and we urge you send comments or questions about this stuff whenever you feel the need, because we're here to help in that regard. We remind you later in the show as well. But AJ, we've got to get to our DFS for tonight's games. It's a nine-game slate, some interesting matchups, and I'm very curious to know what your strategy might be on this game slate and take us through your, your DraftKings picks. Yeah, so for me, um, targeting, you know, one-sided, potentially one-sided matchups here as much as I could. Um, you know, the, the prices for some of the, obviously, the better players are always higher, so you have to pick and choose your spots. Um, for me, I went with Crosby. 8,000 is my top center. Uh, he's my most expensive non-goalie on, on the slate tonight. They're going up against Columbus. This is a team that they've generally feasted on. Um, I don't see any reason that that'll change. I have no real concerns that they're on the road. Crosby's been, uh, you know, by, by local reports, I, I won't claim to be, you know, reading this, but Crosby has looked like he hasn't exactly had the jump in his step to open the season seems like the, you know, just the last couple of games starting to be there. Well, for a guy with no jump in his step right now, um, he's off to a pretty strong start here. He's got 15 points in 13 games, including at, at least a point in his last uh, eight contests. So uh, the biggest thing is if they can get the power play going there. So for me, uh, Crosby at 8,000, I think makes a lot of sense based on matchup, based on recent performance. And I'll pair him up. We talked about Carlson, Paul. I think the most interesting thing uh, about William Carlson here for for the Golden Knights is, you know, we mentioned third line role playing with the number one power play unit, and that's all true. But his production, you know, kind of recently hasn't been, uh, you know, strictly based off power play numbers. Sixteen points in his last twelve games, just three of those points uh, coming with the man advantage. So he's still producing five on five, which is encouraging here. Uh, they've got a decent matchup. It is a cross-country trip, which, you know, those can be tough. Um, they're in Washington for for this one. But I, I think William Carlson at 5,400 makes a lot of sense. Uh, I went with Sam Reinhart. I talked about him being the best performance of the last week. They've got the Sharks tonight. 7,600 is his price tag. So I went uh, with him. And then I'll admit uh, my next two picks are fan uh, fan punts. I needed to spend minimal. Uh, the rest of my roster was was pretty stacked. I, I spent a little bit more on blue line than I originally planned to. So I took Redeem Zahorna and Drew O'Connor, both playing on the third line for the Penguins. Uh, it's looked a little bit better. I talked about the matchup. They both have recent production. It's 
Um, they come in at 2,800 for Zahorna, uh, 2,500 for Drew O'Connor. Find some, that would be my advice. If you're going to follow this lineup, maybe you don't want to use Penguin guys, but pick your own team, find some third line punts to, to fit in here. If, if the matchup is good, maybe go with third liners from, uh, from Dallas or, or something like that. Um, so that, that'll be my advice. Go Penguins if you want. I hope it pays off, but uh, for the wingers, I, I punted tonight. And that's because I paid up a little bit more at D. Uh, you talked, Paul, about Caden Gooley. Montreal faces Calgary tonight. It's an okay matchup for them. 5100 is his price tag. I went with Miro Heiskanen to get a share of Dallas. They're at home against Arizona. Arizona, not the walkover club that we've expected, which is why I haven't gone heavy Dallas stack here. Um, but I think Heiskanen still a ton of value, 5500 So I avoided the like top, top tier of defensemen, but still paying up there. My utility spot went to Wyatt Johnson for Dallas, 4500 That's a real good value for a real hot player right now um, and, and getting a bigger share of Dallas. And then between the nets, uh, I did go with Tristan Jari tonight. I like the matchup. He's close to the top. He's not quite Bobrovsky price if you want to go up against uh, San Jose tonight, but uh, he's been really, really good of late. And and again, like I said, I like the matchup, so I think it's worth it. So that's how I built it. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it's probably a little Penguins heavy, but uh, for those of you out there that want to tweak that, I, I gave you some options as well to, to get away from the Penguins if you want. And AJ, you did touch on the fact that Arizona is an improved club. I think we both recognize that. But even so, I went a little bit heavy on the Dallas side just because I think the Dallas Stars are – one hell of a great team and uh they they look to be rounding into form already and so i went uh, i didn't spend eight thousand or more on any player in this lineup but it did get over the seven thousand mark with four picks one of them was rupe hints he has come back with a vengeance since he was on on the sidelines earlier this year and uh, seventy five hundred dollars the price tag for a guy who centers arguably one of the top three forward lines in the nhl i'll say and uh, against Arizona could be a could be an, a points night for this unit, I, I would suggest. And uh, right along with that, in terms of another points night opportunity, anytime you got San Jose as the opposition, you got to look at their, who they're playing. And I like Alex Barkov. He is normally a guy who's in, in the discussion when you talk about top centers. He is playing very well, not getting the ink that I think he deserves, uh, but he has long, long been an underrated player in this league. Great offensive skills, big rangy guy, and I think he's going to be a handful for a weak group of San Jose pivots outside of Thomas Hurdle. Then at the wing position, I add Jason Robertson of the the Dallas club against Arizona for seventy nine hundred dollars. That's three guys for over seven thousand already that I mentioned. I pair him with Pavel Buknevich of St. Louis. I did touch on the fact he's coming off a hat trick early. Uh, about a week ago or within the last week anyway, and his price tag is only $4,800 despite a matchup against Tampa who has been giving up more goals than we're used to seeing there. And uh, they're not, of course, using their top goalie who's still sidelined. We touched on that. Then I'll go to the flip side. When I look at the blue line here and pick Sergachev from the Tampa club, he's he's uh, vying for more minutes every, every couple of weeks. Uh, he shows me something more in terms of growth in his game, AJ. And he's uh, right there with Hedman right now in terms of what he offers this club. Priced at only $5,400, substantially less than uh, the stalwart uh, defenseman. Then uh, Miro Heiskin is the one guy that we both had on our list. I like him for $6,000. 500 more than I think you got him for on the DraftKings side. It's always interesting to me, the different prices for these players on the two different platforms. So Heiskanen, linchpin of the Dallas power play, minute eater on the, in all situations, gets all the key offensive starts. So good value there and a high expected points value according to Rotowire's uh, formatting. Then I look at the Montreal game, AJ, and this is not to pile on the Habs because they've played it well out of the start, but I just see this as a good situation for Calgary to get themselves righted. And I filled in with a couple of guys, less than $5,000 in value. Andrew Mangiapane is a guy who always plays well against the Habs. So I got him in there for $4,700, but I might surprise you by adding Jonathan Huberdeau, who is hoping that a visit to the Belle Provence will inspire him in his home province to uh, 
finally get things right offensively. He's only $4,200. So I would take a flyer on him almost no matter who the opposition is because sooner or later, he's got to get things uh, turned around. And then uh, I'm looking for the goalie, AJ. I don't like spending up if I can avoid it. Look, I mentioned the situation with New Jersey still missing their top two centers. I think it's hampering their offense a little bit. And I think Winnipeg takes advantage of that and tries to grind uh, this game to a halt with their size advantage over the Devils. So I'm expecting a low-scoring contest and Hellebuck to come out on the winning end for the home side tonight. So uh, that's the fi- that's the show for today. Other than some final thoughts, AJ, I'm looking forward to the games in Sweden to see how they're presented and how the teams react to playing across the pond. Very excited about the fact the Leafs are involved there. So that's where my focus is going to be. But they only play uh, one game this week on Friday, and then they don't play another one until Tuesday of next week. So uh, I'm going to be fishing around for the top games on a nightly basis between now and then. And uh, wonder what your thoughts are in terms of your planning, your uh, viewing schedule this week. Well, I just like the fact that with them being over there, we get earlier games, uh, you know, day, daytime games. Uh, so Red Wings Senators will be 2 o'clock Eastern on, on Thursday. Your Leafs, same thing, 2 o'clock on Friday. Um, you know, we'll get uh, Wild and Senators. will be an 11 a.m. game on Sunday. Uh, and uh, just a little bit earlier for the, the other one, uh, 8 a.m. for your Leafs on Sunday. So, you can get up early, Paul. You can watch your Leafs at 8 a.m. on Sunday uh, or 7 a.m. I forget which time zone you're in. But either way, you can watch them early. They'll be done just in time for, for football to start. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited uh, about the off, you know, the, the extra benefit for us here that we have earlier in the day hockey games this weekend to, to watch. Yeah, that's a great point about that Sunday game because it doesn't interfere with my enjoyment of NFL football at all. So uh, just uh, make it a triple header, a quadruple header, if you can uh, hog the TV in your in your household. But uh, what a landscape of games when you consider that we have these odd times filled in. And I kind of like this experiment going over to Europe. And uh, it's just another way to grow the game. And uh, I, I can't wait to see it the day when uh, when hockey is right there with with uh, basketball and baseball let's say i don't think anybody's touching the nfl anytime soon but i think hockey's got a chance to really close the gap uh, on the other two sports and uh, you can see it by the number of players that are being drafted by american uh, from american origins or european origins that number is increasing uh, every year and i think it's a great thing for the sport that it's becoming a truly world game so uh, a nice place for us to stop. And uh, I want to thank all of you for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things related to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to ask questions and, and uh, make comments wherever you can. On Twitter, you can reach us. You can follow me at Paul Bruno at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes. We wish you a good week. And uh, we say, as always, so long, everybody. <laughs>